0: the country and come back to the churches we've been to before it's like a family reunion and that's what it is here for us as a family reunion we certainly do appreciate your pastor his dear wife and his family that are such great and dear friends to us and I pray for your pastor. he's not feeling well I know that he wants to be here instead of over there I know pastor Matthew, so pray for him and that uh, the Lord would touch his body. It's, uh, again, uh, we certainly appreciate the opportunity. Uh, it's good to see familiar faces, faces we've seen before, and some new faces. It's always a joy. And for those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is uh, Tim Tilley. I'm a missionary evangelist. And uh, uh, if you would, back on the back uh, little table there, we have some prayer cards. And if you would grab one of those uh, this afternoon as we head out, and if you would, as the Lord brings you, uh, brings us to your mind, pray for us as we travel about the country. Uh, it's such uh, an honor to be able to do that. But uh, and I have with me with my, my wife, Miss Claudette, with me. And on that that card, you'll see my wife and I. If you take the guy off, that's a really good looking prayer card. You gotta get rid of the guy. But uh, we travel around this country seeking to honor and the glorify the Lord. You'll see our, our purpose there at the bottom of the card is, is it talks about evangelizing the lost, edifying the church, and encouraging the pastor. That's what we seek to do as God has called us into this ministry. And, uh, and so we're excited to be here this morning. Acts chapter 16, if you will. Acts chapter number 16. And as you go there, uh, it's just my my wife and I. We uh, have four daughters. Uh, Three of them are married. Uh, The youngest one is still uh, with us, but she she thinks she wants to be married, but Dad's not there yet. And so uh, she will be heading up to New Hampshire to serve on an internship. uh, addiction faith based ministry up in New Hampshire at the end of February and so our other three daughters are are married our oldest lives in Montana our second lives in Colorado our third lives in North Carolina and the son-in-laws are okay too but you know I love my daughter Uh, and our third one is married to a missionary and they are actually on deputation to head to Chicago to plant a church in Chicago (coughs) And, and so we're excited about all what the Lord's doing in our family. Excited to see how it's working. And so in Acts chapter 16, as we come to this, when I talked to Pastor Matthew about coming here, and uh, he said that y'all were getting ready to head into your missions month in February. And I certainly commend you for your your focus upon missions because that's what God's heart is God's heart is missions and and can I say this missions is wherever you go you know we talk about home missions and foreign missions and and, and if you would classify I would be kind of considered a home missionary and then there's you got the foreign missionaries that go to different countries but can I say this That missions are wherever you go because people are there and God loves people and so Pastor Matthew asked me if I wanted, a, if the Lord led, a, to kick off your missions month. And, and being a missionary evangelist, I was excited. I said, "Yes, sir! I'd be more than honored to be able to do that." And so this morning, that's what we're going to look at in Acts chapter 16. We're going to look at a missionary journey, and probably one of the greatest missionaries, or if not the greatest missionary, this world has known the Apostle Paul. Now, you may say, God's used many different people down through the ages, no doubt about that. But when you read about the Apostle Paul and his life and how God used him in a great and mighty way like he did, he's probably considered probably one of the greatest missionaries I've ever lived. And so we're going to look at something this morning and we're going to break this down and then we're going to make some applications to your and my life. So when you find your place there in Acts chapter 16, I'd invite you, if you're able, to stand with me for the reading of God's Word. We're going to read just a few verses, and then we'll get right into our message this morning. Look at verse number 6 of Acts chapter 16. The Bible says, Now when they had gone through throughout Phrygia and the region of Galatia, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the Word in Asia, after they were come to Messiah, they assayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they, passing by Messiah, came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed to him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. And I want to preach a message entitled uh, that Ask you a question this morning. Do you hear the cry? Do you hear the cry? Father, we thank you again for the opportunity to come together and worship you in spirit and truth this morning. Lord, I was blessed by the Sunday school lesson this morning. and Lord, as we go into this service, Lord, as we open your word and and, and we expand on Your Word, Lord. I pray that we as believers here and we are, that are here within the sound of my voice will open our hearts and minds to what You'll have for us. Lord, we thank You for this portion of Scripture, and Lord, I pray that, that You would lead, God and direct in all things. Lord, I thank You for bringing this to my mind, and Lord, I can't preach Your precious Word upon my own strength, So, Lord, I would ask that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit to guide my mind, guide my mouth, to guide my words, to say what's only honoring and pleasing unto you. Lord, we pray that you would do a work in hearts this morning. Thank you for your blessings and allow us to come together in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for the reading of God's Word. it excites me that the the emphasis on missions throughout as we travel all across this country, we realize, and and, and my wife will tell you this same exact thing, as we go to different churches, you can tell the the churches with an emphasis on missions. And, and, And missions, as I said, is God's heart. Because God loves people. And you cannot tell the wrong person that God loves them. Anybody needs to hear that God loves them. And that's where I say missions are where people are. Now you and I that are saved this morning are called. We're called to give the glorious gospel to others. Now, you may not be called as I am called to travel the whole country or travel wherever the Lord leads. Or you may not be called to go to a different country or even a different state. But you are called to give the glorious gospel to those around you. You are called, in essence, when you're saved, you're called to be a missionary. Because what does missionaries do? They give the gospel. They want people to come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. And if the Lord wills this evening or this afternoon, we're going to look and we're going to see how to pray for missionaries. And Paul gives us another example this afternoon, Lord willing, as he leads on how to pray for missionaries. But I want to bring your attention here to Acts chapter 16. As we look at this... Again, we see one of the great, or if not the greatest missionary, the Apostle Paul. And, and Paul here had some motivations in this task of getting the gospel out. He had some motivations in this task of world evangelism. And, and you and I have different motivations in our lives to do different things. But I want to bring this attention. You don't have to turn there, but I find in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, you'll find two motivations for the Apostle Paul to get the gospel for the world evangelism. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 11, Paul here was motivated by the terror of the Lord. And the Bible says in verse 11, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. Now, Paul knew that that the coming judgment of God in this world is going to be judged by God. It's going to pass away. He knew that the judgment... So we haven't been called to clean up this world. Now, I'm not saying don't take care of the stuff that you have. I'm not saying that. But when you read in the Scripture, we know what's going to happen to this world. It's going to pass away. It's going to disappear. It's going to be burned up. Because this is a sin-cursed world. So we're not being called to clean up the world. What have we been called to do? That's to give the glorious gospel to others. So that they can come to know Him. We've been called to tell others about Him. To tell them that Christ is the only hope and that there is a God that loves them. That's what we've been called to do. That's what Paul knew. That this world was on a course of God's judgment. And so we were to tell others, not only was he motivated by the terror of the Lord, he was motivated by the tenderness of the Lord. In verse 15, 2 Corinthians 5, he says, For the love of Christ constraineth us. The love of Christ. Paul said that the love of Christ constraineth him. And that word constraineth has the idea of moving somebody along. And so what Paul is saying is that the love of Christ is what moves and it, what, it was what motivates me to tell others about Him. We all have different motivations in our life. For Paul, it was the terror and the tenderness of the Lord. Now, as we look at this great historic passage, now this passage is really not all the scriptures given by inspiration. All of it's important, but this portion is a great historic passage, especially for you and me. And I'll explain that here in just a minute. But in Acts chapter 9, we see that Paul heard the salvation call uh, on the road to Damascus, or the Damascus call to salvation. And in Acts chapter 13, we see that great church in Antioch, they began commissioning and sending out missionaries to win to people to Christ, and to help to train people, pastors, and plant churches, and, and a host of other things. And Paul, as we come to Acts chapter number 16, is on his second missionary journey. Okay, so he's on his second one. We know the first journey that he and Barnabas were together on that one. And if we come to this one, we see that Silas has joined Paul. And in the first part of chapter 16 here, we also see Timothy has joined the team and then as you look down in verse number 10 look at verse 10 he says and after we had seen the vision immediately we now we know the writer of the book of Acts is Luke so we see that Luke has joined the team so we see we've got a little team going on here and they are heading out on this missionary journey and so in this missionary journey of the Apostle Paul, I want to give you three thoughts, if you don't mind, this morning as we work through this passage of Scripture. Number one, I want you to notice the directing voice. The directing voice. Look at verse 6, if you will. The Bible says, Now when they had gone through uh, throughout Phrygia, the region of Galatia, and were forbidden of the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia, after that, they come to Messiah. They essayed to go into Bithynia. But the Spirit suffered them not. And they, passing by Messiah, came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. Now, as Paul was making decisions on this missionary journey of where to go, And what to do, he had a plan. Now, it wasn't a bad plan whatsoever, but he had a plan. He was going to go into Asia, but somebody stopped him. So we see the directing voice of the Holy Spirit here. Now, many years ago, as I was in law enforcement, I spent 20 years in law enforcement, and one of the things that I did is... I was a member of the special response team. And in the department that I was in, there was two, two teams. And you were on call 24 hours a day. On one week, and then team B was the next week. So I was off one day, and I received this call. Now, this is I'm going, I'm going to time myself here. Anybody remember when they were pagers were out? You know how old this has been, right? Everybody's got phones nowadays. Nobody uses pagers. That's when we had pagers. And so we we wore a pager, and I got a page of 911. That was to call, and I called in, and we found out that in the southernmost part of the county that we lived in, uh, uh, a lady had called in and said that her young daughter was missing. She didn't know where she was at. And of course, what do we think nowadays? Or think somebody's grabbed. Well, you know, well, there was a possibility even back then. So that heightens everything up. Everybody gets charged. So they call us all in and we all rush down to this scene. Now at this scene, it's this wooded area and, and at night, this is at night, and you cannot hardly see in front of your face. There's no lights out. There's no nothing out. The moon. You, you don't see anything. And of course, when we show up, this lady and this this husband is just panicking. And of course, they had every right. They didn't know where their daughter went to. So. We, as trying to establish that nobody really came by and and kidnapped or grabbed her, we were able to establish what she probably did, or what we found out she did, is that she walked off with her dog. She just got, was playing with the dog, and she walked off into the woods, and she got lost. We didn't know where she was at. They didn't know where she was at. So you can imagine the chaos with a young lady out in the middle of the woods of nowhere. And, and, and so everything was going on. We have cops from all over the place trying to find us. We set up our perimeter. And it's just so hard to see, and you couldn't really see into the woods, and you couldn't. And the dogs, we called the canines in, and, and, and the canines were over an hour away. And so we had to get something done because, you know, it just, so okay. So what we did is we called the, the highway patrol. This was in North Carolina. They had a helicopter. And they had the, what they call the FLIR system. And what it does is they could pick up body heat. And so from way up there in the air, they could shine this thing down and they could look down and they could see body heat coming off. And so we called them in. And like, we need some help. And, and we need it like now. We've got to find this young lady. And so we're waiting on them to arrive and I was technically in charge of the scene. And as they come in and they landed, one of the guys came over and they said, well, the, the pilot wants to speak to the man in charge. I said, okay, I'll, I'll go talk to him. So I go over there and uh, he's, a, he's a rather large, tall man. And I'm like, how do you get in that helicopter being so tall as you are? And he has this deep voice. Never will for you. And he didn't really say a whole lot. There wasn't a whole lot of conversation. He says, now I'm going to give you this. And he says, you listen to nobody's voice except mine. And I said, Who do you think you are? I'm in charge of this thing. And you come in here telling me what to do. He said, You listen to my voice. Only listen to mine. I said, okay. Alright. We'll, we'll go with it. And so he goes back to the helicopter. He gets up in the helicopter and he talks to me on the radio a little bit. To, so we're in the same thing and they do everything on the clock. So, you know, if they want you to look north, they'll say, look 12 o'clock or 1 o'clock, 3 o'clock or whatever. So we're all in the same thing. So we get up and we get things established down there. And you can just imagine all the radio traffic, all the chaos that's going on there. And this man comes in and says, listen to my voice and my voice over. And when he gets up in the air, he comes back down and he says, you got me? You listen and you hear my voice? And like, yeah, I got you, 10 whatever. He said, if you'll just listen to me, I'll lead you home. Didn't hit me right then what he said, but it did afterwards. So as he was up in the air, we had a team out and he was guiding us along the way. He was shining something down and he was guiding us. And we're in the woods and and, uh, we're searching around and we're trying to find We're calling. And all of a sudden he says, do you see? I'm like, no, don't see her, don't hear. He says, if you'll go 12 o'clock... 30 steps, you'll see. And so I followed the directions. I followed only his voice. At 12 o'clock, we go up, and under this little little brush area, she was hidden underneath there because she was scared. and when we got up to her (laughs) the helicopter pilot said do you see her? I said we got her. Got her. And then he comes back over this this is over there he said I told you if you listen to my voice i would get you home. Never seen or heard from that pilot again. But what am I saying to you and I? What is what are we seeing in this word Paul had a plan and he, it wasn't a bad plan but you and I as well as Paul need to follow the voice of the Holy Spirit and that's what Paul did he followed the voice of the Holy Spirit of God in all things and so Paul had this plan And he wanted to go in this certain area. And ultimately, we, you and I get different things from all over, from different people and different suggestions in our lives, but the only person you and I really need to listen to is the voice, the directing voice of the Holy Spirit of God. And so that's what Paul was doing here. You realize that the steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord, but the steps or the stops of a righteous man are also ordered by the Lord. So Paul here, you know, you think about this, this team was listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit in their hearts as they were led on this missionary journey. And you and I will be all to be thankful that they had that sensitive ear to the Holy Spirit and they were following what they told Him to do. Now, as you think... About you and I being called and you and I giving the gospel because we are, we are given that great commission. Now you don't have to turn there, but in Matthew 28 we see the Great Commission, and, and you hear this verse. You normally hear verses 19 and 20, right? He says, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world, amen. We hear that commission, but sometimes you don't hear verse 18 with it. What does verse 18 say? Jesus and Jesus came and spake unto them, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And then he says, go. You see what the end of the verse reads? I am with you all. What? So what does what Jesus tell us in this Great Commission is you can't go in your own power. You can't go in your own strength because you'll only get what man's strengths produce. But you see what Jesus said? He says, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Because all power has been given into me, I want you to go tell others about Christ And realize that I am with you. Don't you think that's how Paul realized what was going on here? He was listening to that voice. I tell you, if you ever want to read a book and to know what the Great Commission looks like in in, in being lived out, read this book of Acts. And you'll see the Great Commission being lived out. They carried out this Great Commission. And you and I must depend upon the Holy Spirit of God to help us, direct us, to guide us to help others. We must rely on the directing voice of the Holy Spirit. We must have a sensitive ear to the Holy Spirit. And can I tell you this, the Holy Spirit will never, never, never lead us into something that is contrary to the Scriptures. The will of God will never, ever go against the Word of God. And so when you are directed by the Holy Spirit of God and you follow Him, you better believe you're where God wants you to be. And I'm thinking the Lord that God here, that the Apostle Paul and these men followed the voice of the Holy Spirit. And you and I in our lives, we need to get up every day and pray that the Holy Spirit will lead us and help us and say this, I'll go anywhere you want me to go, Lord. I'll be anything you want me to be. I'll say anything you want me to say. And I'll do anything you want me to do. So not only do we need to listen to the directing voice of the Holy Spirit, we need to heed or to live out what the Holy Spirit has told us to do. We can listen, we can hear, but do we live it out? And that's what you and I have to do. What we do day to day personally, what we do day to day in our ministry, in our church's life, We ought to give veto power to the Holy Spirit of God. Nothing wrong with making plans. Nothing wrong with that at all. But what we're saying here from the Scriptures is we have to give veto power to the Holy Spirit of God. Because does He not know better than we do? Isaiah tells us that God's ways are higher than our ways and His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And we need to follow the Lord through the Holy Spirit directing us. You realize here that they tried to go into Asia and preach the gospel. They tried to go into Bithynia. But what happened? The Holy Spirit says, no, not there. No, and not there. They realized that that was not God's plan. They had a plan, but God had a better plan. And can I say this, and you know this just as much as I do, it's always better to go with God's plan in your life. I don't, I don't care where you're at. I don't care whether you've just been saved or you've been serving the Lord a long time. You know as well as I do, you always got to go with God's plan. Now, it may not be what we think to happen, but God knows best, Right? He knows what's going to happen in the future. God knew what was going to happen in the future. And the Apostle Paul and these others followed the Holy Spirit. You'll see what happened. So as we think about this, you see, you talk about some of the great missionaries in the past. David Livingston, he wanted to go to China, but God sent him to Africa. William Carey wanted to go to Polynesia, what was known as Polynesia, but God sent him to India. And Judson wanted to go to India, but God guided him to Burma. God guides you and us along the way just to the right place if we have the sensitive ear to the Holy Spirit of God. And so in this, you see, this is a historic fact right here. This is really a a great turning of the gospel spread in this world. Now, if God would have let them go into Asia, they wouldn't have gone into what we know as Philippi. Right? And which is far as we know, far as you and I know, the first time that the gospel went into Europe. And then along that way, it began to move westward. So what am I saying is after years and years and years, the gospel moved from Europe to where? To America. So you see what I'm saying here? How this is historically important for you and I. That They listened to this voice of the Holy Spirit of God and he directed him to go into Europe, to go into Philippi. This is a real turning point in the Gospel spread. It went into Europe and eventually to us. So number one, we hear the voice of the Holy Spirit. We We need to listen and we need to live it out. But secondly, Notice with me in verse 9 and 10 the detailed vision of the sinner. The detailed vision. Look at verse 9. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come on over. Come over into Macedonian office. And And after he had seen the vision, immediately, I like that word immediately. Little words mean things in the Bible. That means that Paul, they didn't wait, they didn't say, Lord, you sure about this? That's where you want me to go? You sure? Just making sure, Lord, that you're good. No, they said he went immediately. We endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Now this word pray that you see in verse 9 means to ask. So you realize that the world that we live in is crying frail. They may not know what they need, but they're crying for help. They really are. The world we live in is in a mess, and the only thing that will turn this world around is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that will turn it around. And everybody's got a void in their life that only Christ can fill. And you and I as Christians today, you and I as saved people, are called to give that hope to the world. That's what we are to do. You know, all over the world in our own country, people are trying to fill that void with many different things. Whether it be drugs, alcohol, whatever it may be, they're trying to fill that void, and the only thing that would fill it will be the Lord Jesus Christ. They are empty and we have what they need. See, Paul had a vision of the center and wanted to go into Macedonia. Now we know what the will of God for Paul and the team was. And we know that the only hope for America in this world is God. And he works through the local churches. He works through the Christians. He works through the local churches. And I tell you, if we're going to see something happen in America today, the church has got to get busy. We've got to, we need to repent and renew and get busy in missions. And missions are where people are. We do missions wherever we go because people are there. There's home missionaries and foreign missionaries, but wherever people are, that's where missions are. See, Paul was redirected by God and he had a sensitive ear to the Holy Spirit. And he got a vision or a burden of the sinner. And said, alright, this is where God wants us to go. And they took off. So Paul had that Damascus road to uh, call to salvation. And we know this as the Macedonian call. So Paul heeded the Macedonian call to service and witnessing. And every single one of us need to heed those calls. If you're here this morning and you've never known the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, that's the first and most important important call you'll ever heed. If you don't know Him, if you've never asked Him to come into your life and save you, that's the first step. But for those of us who have accepted Him as our Savior, for those of us who who have been saved even a little time or a long time, we need to heed this call of service and witness. Now, like I said, He may not call you to a different country or even a different state, but He's called you to reach your neighbor. He's called you to reach your area. And so we need to hear that. And so every one of us need to heed these calls. Notice with me here that Paul heard the plea of this sinner. God is telling us that people are crying out for help in this world. Now, I understand Paul had a different vision or a different burden than you and I do. Now, how many of you now help me feel better about myself? Okay. Than what they were intended. Now. I explained it this way. You know, every time you get a tag, like a license tag on the back of your car, how many of you have a screwdriver readily available? Not really. Well, there's one. There's one different one in here. But how many will, will use whatever is available to screw the screw in? How many will pull out a dime? I got a dime, so I'm going to use it and screw those screws in on that tag so it don't fall off. Hey, we use whatever's available, right? I mean, when my kids were at home, now we have we have four girls, right? Thus, no hair. I love my girls, I do. When they were at home, they would help me in different projects and different jobs and all those things, and and I use what was available. I would send them to the back building. Hey, can you go get me a screwdriver or, or whatever tool I needed? I would send them. But as they got married and they left and they moved on, I was too lazy to walk back to the back of the, the yard to get my tools, right? So I'm using what's available. How many Has anybody ever used a shoe to drive in a nail somewhere? Anybody use that? You use what's available to you and that's just the way it is you know God's the very same way he'll use whatever is available to him and if you make yourself available to him he'll use you I promise you he'll use you there's not many that are making themselves available anymore they're just happy and they're just satisfied with coming to church And so if you will just simply make yourself available, God will use you. He'll use you. That's how this work of missions goes about. It's all by faith. And God uses people like you and me to send out missionaries, to, to supply missionaries with what they need. And it's all done by faith. And you and I, as we are called, we simply make ourselves available and we listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and God will use you in a great and mighty way. And that's, that's the prayer in my life, because if you're a Christian here this morning, if you're saved this morning, you should want God to use you. God, I'm not much, but use me however you can. You see, what that, that's what's going on here. See, you, we must be willing and available to be used by God. And boy, he'll use you if you make yourself available to him. And one of the greatest tragedies that I come across for Christian is, is the devil has convinced us of a few things. The devil's convinced us that you and I don't have the ability to give the gospel. We don't have the training to give the gospel. Or we don't have the responsibility to give the gospel. The devil's convinced Christians of that. You don't need any degree to give the gospel. You don't have to go to college to give the gospel. Some of the greatest people I'll ever know, some of the greatest people that I encounter in our travels on our daily day basis has never been to college. But they're one of the greatest soul winners you ever want to meet. See, we have to be willing to be used. We've got to get this burden for sinners. We, we've got to see them lost and dying. We, we must have this vision. We've got to get that burden. You say, well, I I don't have a burden for souls. Well, ask God to give it to you because he will. You know why? Because that's his heart. People, that's his heart. Now, I realize as, as we go along, there's some people that are just hard to love. My wife will tell you that I'm one of them. I'm just kidding. But there's people out there that you and I would say, well, they're just hard to love. But my wife tells me this and reminds me as we travel these roads or these miles going down the road, just love them like Jesus. And I promise you, if you love them like Jesus did, you'll be concerned about their souls. Jesus loved them and had compassion upon people. And we need to get that same burden, that same vision of the sinner. Can I ask you this? And and what I'm saying is, you know, you think about we sit in our comfortable churches. We sing our songs. We have our fellowships and we listen to our sermons. And all those are good things. They, They really are. I love coming to church. I love to sing the old songs of Zion. I love to fellowship one with another. I love to listen to sermons. That's what I need. But you think about this, when we leave and out of this place, we turn a deaf ear to the cry of the world. We leave this place unconcerned with those that are dying and going to hell. Paul says, or God says, we need to get that that vision. Paul heard that plea, and Paul knew what his purpose was to give the gospel, to give the gospel. You see in verse number 10, he says, For the Lord, that the Lord had called us for to preach the gospel unto them. Now, we're not all called to be preachers and in full-time ministry. We're not all that. We're not all called to do that but we are called to proclaim the gospel of the Lord, every single one of us that are saved. And that's what Paul knew. He knew what his purpose was. And can I tell you, that's what's going to make the difference in the world. That's what's going to make the difference in your neighbor's life. That's what's going to make the difference in your family's life, is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what's going to make the difference, and Paul knew that. So we see here the detailed vision of the center. But thirdly and lastly, I'll show you the definite victory of the Savior. Now, you see that Paul here, he had a plan, but God, through the voice of the Holy Spirit of God, redirected him. He actually said, no, don't go into Asia or Asia Minor, which is modern-day Turkey that we know of, Don't go there. Don't go into Bithynia and preach the gospel. Paul wanted to go and do a good thing. But the Holy Spirit says, no, don't go there. I need you to go here. Simply put, it wasn't the right timing. It wasn't the right timing for Paul to go into those areas. God needed him to go over into Philippi. See, when God gives you this burden and he shows you what you want to do you just simply go do it that's called what obedience it's doing what god's told us to do and can i tell you this if you listen to the voice of the holy spirit you see the burden there'll be victory there'll be victory They're following the leadership of the Holy Spirit. They got a burden for lost people and they're going to reach the people and God's going to give them the victory. Now these, as far as we know, okay, these as far as we know were the first people to get saved in Europe. It happened right here in Acts 16. Now can I tell you, how many of you would agree that God's got a sense of humor? I think some, I I think he does. I really do. And I think you see it right here. Now, you realize what Paul was before he got saved, right? He was a Pharisee. I mean, he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He knew the law, he knew the scriptures. And you know, when he was capturing Christians and throwing them in jail and all of those things that he was doing, he thought he was doing what was right, he thought he was serving the Lord. But we know he was wrong, and he come to find out, and he got saved and asked But he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. And I've read books that say there was three things as the Pharisees got up and prayed. There was three things that they think, God, they wasn't, right? First of all, they got up, and they think, God, they, wasn't, they were not a woman. Now, you got to understand the culture of the day. They didn't think highly of women back then. That was just the culture of the day. I'm not saying that's right, but the Pharisees would get up and say, I thank God I'm not a woman. The second thing was is is they got up and they thanked God they wasn't a slave. They They just thought slaves were just nothing. They just thought slaves were just nothing at all. And thirdly, they got up and they thanked God they wasn't. Gentile. They just thought Gentiles were old filthy dogs. They didn't care anything about them. They didn't want. So they thank God that they were not these three things. But can I tell you that God has a sense of humor? I wonder if God brought back the prayers of Paul as he went in to Philippi. Because you see, the first people that were saved in Philippi in Acts 16 was a woman. A slave girl and an old Gentile jailer. Those were the first people saved. You see that? I'm not going to take time to read it all. But you see that from Acts chapter uh, 16 verse 11 and following. We know Lydia. She was a lady with an open heart. And I like what the scripture says here. In verse 14, she says, and a certain woman named Lydia, so over purple, the city of Thyatira, which worshiped God, heard us whose heart the Lord opened. That she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. What did Paul speak about? The gospel. That was Paul's heart. So you see here a lady with an open heart got saved. Go down just a little bit farther in verse 17. You see here, uh, or verse 16, And it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel, possessed with a spirit of divination, met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto you the way of salvation. And she did this many days. And so Paul finally turns around and he says, I command the Spirit to leave her, to come out of her in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know if it doesn't say, but I truly honestly believe she got saved. I do. But then we know because of that, they took Paul and Silas and they threw them in jail, right? The owners of this lady uh, lost their gain, their money, And so they got mad at Paul and Silas. And what did they do? They take them before and they threw them in jail. What happened at midnight? When they threw the Gentile jailer, threw them in the inner inner prison and they passed them to What did they do? They prayed and they sang. Probably not the best position to be to do that. You and I probably would. But what did they do? They sang and they gave praises to God. And what did God do? Send an earthquake and open the doors. And that old Gentile jailer was awake or asleep and he woke up and he saw all the doors open. And you understand back in that day, if, they, if a, a jailer was given charge of a prisoner, if that prisoner escaped, the, the sentence that they had came to you. So if it was death and you lost the prisoner, death was coming to you. So he, the Gentile jailer gets up, and, and he sees the doors are all open. And he thought, everybody's gone. And he thought, oh, no, this is it. I'm done. So he was going to kill himself. And what does Paul say? He says, oh, we're all here. And we know that familiar verse where he says, sir, what must I do to be saved? And what did Paul do? Well, he led him to Christ. Not only him, but him and his family. So you see here the victory that God sent Paul as he was listening to the voice of the Holy Spirit? He sent him victory because these folks got saved. And as you go through, these people made up one of the great Churches in the New Testament. You think about it. Lydia and her household. This old slave girl and that old Gentile and his family made up this church in Philippi. And as Paul left Philippi, this church, he was in Thessalonica for two to three weeks. This church sent him two offerings. To support the Apostle Paul. You know, you think about this. God doesn't need a whole lot to work with. Boy, God got me and he didn't get a whole lot at all. But it's amazing what God can do when we have a sensitive ear to the Holy Spirit. We get that burden. We see that vision of the sinners that are lost and dying and realize that our neighbors, our world is crying for help. And we have the hope that they need. So I ask you this morning as we kind of lead off into the missions month. I never take for granted in a missions month or a missions conference that God's not working on somebody's heart calling them into missions. Now you may not heart just to submit to him. Just to fully surrender to him and say God. I'll go wherever, I'll do whatever you want me to do. So God don't need your ability. He wants your availability. God will give you the ability to do what He's called you to do. Are you willing to be available? You know, when you listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and guide you and direct you, He will tell you your part. He will tell you your are part of the mission. You may not be called, but we're all called to go to tell You may not be called to a different field. You may be called to the missions field. He will tell you your provision. You ought to provide financially for your church's missions program. And it's all done by faith. And I ask you this, just listen. Let Him speak to you this morning. We can be a part in reaching the world. We can't reach the whole world, but we can do our part. With our hands bowed and our eyes closed.